Welcome to the Human Capital Lab podcast. We're hard at work developing next season's topics and guests, but we wanted to share one of our favorite episodes as a bonus for all of you wonderful listeners out there. With the post-COVID world returning to full speed in no time at all, employers and talent are trying to adapt to this new pace. That's why we picked our episode on empathy and leadership with Adele Cook, CLO for the Arizona Department of Economic Security. This interview has great info and tips for managing the tension between empathy and productivity and so much more. We hope you enjoy it. Adele Cook is the CLO for the Arizona Department of Economic Security. She has more than 25 years experience in both the public and private sectors. Adele, you lead a team of 155 learning professionals who support the knowledge and engagement of staffers, whose mission it is to make the citizens of Arizona feel safe and economically secure. How has the execution of that mission evolved over time for you? Great question, Michelle. Thank you. I've been with my agency for most of my 16 years in state government, and I've seen the agency grow and change. Uh, Of course, my team and I have needed to adapt to that. As a government agency, we have changes in administration every eight years, sometimes four, and priorities change each time. The mission of my unit, though, has never really changed. Our mission is to change lives through learning experiences. When we do our jobs correctly, we change the lives of the people we support, and they in turn change the lives of the vulnerable citizens of Arizona. I like to say that learning and development is a noble profession, and when it's done in service of the vulnerable, it becomes a noble calling. That said, even though our mission hasn't changed, we've seen immense changes in how we accomplish that. When I started, we were a small team dedicated to management training. That immediately changed as all management (laughs) was pulled to a central agency. Then our focus was solely on policy and procedure, and we shrank. Mm -hmm. Then we shrank again and became a center of expertise. Then we created a federated model that looped in all of the disparate job skills training units. As part of that, we established rigorous standards for all of our work, set up certifications to up our game across the board. Then we centralized, and upping the game started in earnest. (laughs) (laughs) Then we finally became a cohesive function and really started rocking and rolling as we were a unit of training professionals with standards and we established solid relationships with our customers based on mutual respect. So it's been a lot of change. The unit now does it all, right? We're delivering job skills training. We have courses to increase mastery. We still do (laughs) policy and procedure. We now have leadership development, professional development, and we offer a MOOC for personal development as well. We have a catalog of more than 585 modules, and we're adding to that constantly. So from a small team whose core function was removed (laughs) to a big team that's doing nearly all the things that we always wanted to do. Not that we don't still have lots to do, um, especially around evaluation, but the evolution of L&D in my agency is really significant. And and I attribute that to, to two things, really. Support from our director and the agency for training and development, which is really quite impressive these days, and the creation of highly skilled training professionals. It all comes down to my team, and they're amazing, if I do say so myself. We know who they take after, Adele. It's really (laughs) impressive. And it really sounds like it's been quite an evolution. Tell us a little bit about how you've plugged in empathy into this. So all of my managers strive to be servant leaders, and empathy is core to that, in my opinion. It's the foundation of servant leadership. So we try to keep that at the forefront. 
empathy has been central to the way that I lead my team, and it's woven into many of our programs, particularly leadership. We're an agency that provides services to the vulnerable of Arizona, um, as you said, to help them be safe and economically secure. We train and develop people to treat those we serve with kindness and empathy, and therefore, you know, obviously we need to do the same with the people we support. Mm-hmm. Empathy came in as uh, we as a unit moved to being centralized. Training staff felt a certain amount of displacement and trepidation as they moved from being embedded in business units to being an entity in and of themselves. So during that process, I I tried hard to be understanding of where they were coming from and assuage fears, while at the same time being kind but firm about how things (laughs) were going to work. It was a big change. And negotiating it was difficult, really, for for all of us. Empathy came in at that point, and it it still comes in in day-to-day management, of course. Um, The management Mm -hmm. team models kindness and empathy and has been pretty successful at it if the things the team tells me are anything to go by. (laughs) We need to be understanding of the workload um, of our customers' challenges and, and needs that they are facing. We have to be understanding of the impact those customers have on our team, which is sometimes Uh, challenging. We need to be understanding about what's going on for our team members at work and at home. If they feel like sharing, we try not to, you know, bug them. We try to, you know, check in, see if they want to share, um, but be respectful if they don't. And we, we try to check in on how they're doing that day. So for example, I, when we went virtual, I established a morning touch point with my direct reports. It's kind of the replacement for the water cooler. Uh, you know, how was your weekend? You know, did you have a good night last night? How was your anniversary? And yeah. then kind of what does your day, what does your day look like? And, you know, can any of us support you? I also wanted to say that I, I think mental health is of critical importance and is something that we need to be empathetic about. Mm-hmm. So I, I strive to create an environment that is healthy. I encourage people to take vacation and sick time if they need it. I encourage them to work a reasonable number of hours. Not that <laughs> not that all of them pay attention to me on that, but I do try to encourage them. I cur- encourage them to do what they need to for their families. Um, I think that we're working to live, not the other way around. And I, I try to, and this has really, really been important in the last two years um, and right now as we undergo a massive technology conversion, I try to communicate, I do communicate with the whole team every Friday to keep them informed of what's going on, do some recognition, try to take some of the uncertainty out of our, of our work as much as is possible. So empathy is, is really there as a guiding principle in everything we do in leadership. You know, you've covered a lot of things about what I was about to ask you next. I'd like you to just summarize a little bit because we see folks across multiple industries trying to incorporate the practice of empathy with their teams, yet they struggle sometimes with ensuring that they hold up that productivity and meeting the needs and demands of a department that they're trying to lead. And so you've given us some some examples of how you manage the tension that you may come across with your employees considering the customers that you're serving and the experiences that may impact your team as well. But others may like to hear some of your thoughts on how to manage that tension, especially now that it's elevated a little bit with the global global pandemic and the all the overwhelming personal stress we all 
feel as a result of our own survivals of coming through it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I agree it's it's possible to go overboard with empathy and, and become wishy-washy. I once, uh, once told my wise woman uh, very proudly, I always assume positive intent. And she said to me, uh, and how is that working out for you? <laughs> and I was like, well, uh, it was working out pretty well until you until you asked that, you know, but her, until her you point asked. was, yeah, until you asked that. Now I'm, now I'm reflecting. It really is possible to, to go overboard. What we do to, to balance that is we, we first put ourselves in a mind frame of positive intent and confidence that things can be accomplished. And then we start off by setting clear and achievable goals and objectives. Everything that is done then ties to those goals and objectives. Empathy comes in because it, it should be present in how we accomplish those goals and objectives. I try to keep our eyes focused on the prize, which is meeting the needs of our divisions and their employees and ultimately the people we serve. Specifically, we are preparing people to be functioning and productive professionals, whatever that happens to look like for the part of the organization they're in. You know, there are in inevitably challenges in achieving that, customers, yeah. logistics, staffing, all that kind of stuff. And empathy comes in in helping our team members deal with those challenges. So, you know, some of the things that we look at are removing barriers, uh, smoothing relationships, creating a positive working climate, basically creating the enabling conditions for them to be effective without losing sight of that prize. Of the goal, yeah. Of the of the goal. So it you have to have that that positive, empathetic, servant leadership mindset as the the basis for what you're doing. But you you absolutely have to start with setting those clear and achievable goals and objectives and helping people find their find their path through to that. So when you think about the evolution of implementing the servant leadership philosophies that are there and how empathy aligns with that. Do you have any specific stories that our listeners might be able to learn from that would illustrate the transformative impact that empathy can make in the workplace, regardless of where that or what that workplace is? We have actually seen quite a lot of improvement in, in quite a few things. I mentioned earlier that we've implemented a leadership program that is all around servant leadership. And as a result of that, we've seen an increase in engagement and desire to stay with the organization, which is huge. Yes. Um, then within my unit, as I mentioned, my leadership strives to apply that servant leadership. And it's it seems to have had an impact. Recently, I've received some really positive feedback from team members on the, the culture of our unit and our leadership team. The, the kind of uh, hard result of that is our retention is pretty high, particularly as it compares to other places in government. Mm. Just as kind of a comparison of, of where we are now with that emphasis on servant leadership, when I rejoined my agency five years ago, the unit was operating at half capacity. We had 50% vacancy. We're nearly fully staffed now. We are a larger team and our employee net promoter score went up by more than 300%. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was... Um, Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Now, you know, now admittedly, we were kind of starting from rock bottom, but, you know, we could have stayed at rock bottom. So I, I consider this a success. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 
And, you know, we are starting to see the impacts of the great resignation within our team. Mm. But several of the people who have left recently reached out to me specifically to tell me that it wasn't because of their leadership or the unit. They were life considerations. In that case, you still have to show empathy for them because you have to understand that they do have lives. They have to manage their careers accordingly so that they can work to live. So, you know, overall, as we, as we see leadership embracing empathy, we're seeing a an, an corresponding increase of engagement within our teams. And, you know, I just, I say this with heartfelt appreciation. I, I truly love the people who are on my team. And I think that makes a difference. Oh, I think it really does. With seeing the impact that your leaders who are displaying empathy in the workplace have when it comes to the engagement and retention you were telling us about, what advice do you have for those that are looking to enhance their empathetic practices? I actually have a lot. Um, <laughs> the first thing is doing a leadership point of view so that you know what your values and approaches are. This is really useful for yourself to kind of codify what it is that you think, but also you can share that with your team and they know where you're coming from. As you do that, if you don't find that empathy or something similar to that shows up, you really need to think hard about how you can change your perspective there. I would recommend looking into psychological safety and emotional mm. intelligence. I'm really keen on psychological safety at the moment, something that really made a difference in my life. I recommend that people engage in reflection on their own careers and what they needed at various points and in various situations. I found that to be so helpful, particularly as I mature as a, as a leader and have you know, sort of seen the whale, as it were. <laughs> it makes it much easier to understand and empathize and, and know or at least guess what might be useful to someone at the same point or situation. And, and finally, I would say be curious in a, in a kind way. You know, ask what and how questions. You know, what do you think about that? What is your approach? How do you want to tackle that? What happened? I'm interested in what your thought processes are. This is something that I, I learned fairly recently, and I've really found that asking what and how comes across as more empathetic than asking why. Why did you do that? Why do you think that? It feels judgy. It feels judgy. Yeah, the, the, mm -hmm. the why somehow has gotten co-opted as a, as a judgy thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess I'd say that the, the two most important are self-reflection and curiosity. You want to reflect on yourself to understand where you might be coming from and ask and listen to understand where they really are coming from and, and meet where you both are. Oh, that's really helpful. You know, I think about the colleagues that we interact with when, when we have the opportunity to be face-to-face -face with each other. And so many times they lack the time to reflect and think about their programs and where they could start. So what advice do you have for those who are inspired by your story today and want to add empathetic leadership practices into their leadership program? We need to listen to understand and don't be afraid to be vulnerable. If you've been something that is similar to what they're going through, when it's appropriate, share. Always listen first because it's not about you. It's, you know, it's not a tit for tat, you know, this is going on with me. Oh, well, you know, I went through that too. It's about helping them through a situation. But your experiences may help others feel seen and heard mm -hmm. and may give them inspiration or at least something to think about. 
Great. Thank you so much. I'd like to give people some additional value other than our conversation for today. So when you think about resources, what are two resources that listeners who want to learn more can pick up and access to learn a little bit more about the importance of empathy and how to incorporate it into their leadership programs? There are two things that have been really meaningful to me in my career. The first is a book by Timothy R. Clark called The Four Stages of Psychological Safety. And then, of course, anything on servant leadership by Ken Blanchard. <laughs> you, know, he's, uh, yes. you know, he's just amazing. So those two things have been really meaningful for me. And, and I would strongly recommend them for anybody who wants to become more empathetic or, or get ideas on how to weave that into their own leadership style. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much, Adele. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for joining us on the Human Capital Lab podcast, a growth network podcast production in collaboration with Bellevue University. For more about Bellevue University's Human Capital Lab, head to humancapitallab.org. If you were inspired today, pass the link on to a colleague or friend. Stay tuned for our next episode. And until then, keep learning to unlock the long-term potential of human capital.